Hi. Welcome to Colonial Williamsburg, past and present, on history.org. This is behind the scenes, where you meet the people who work here. That's my job. I'm Lloyd Dobbins, and mostly I ask questions. Joining me today is Bruce Plumley, a man who can tell a great deal about a book by its cover. At Colonial Williamsburg, he's the master bookbinder and works with books. That's correct. How long have you been doing that? Uh, come the 14th of January next year, 2008, 51 years. What attracted you to it? My father was a bookbinder before me, oh, okay. so I'm second generation. My mother was also a bookbinder. Oh, really? not, yes. So that's the yes. whole family? Well, pretty much, yes. <laughs> uh, did you find it as satisfying as you thought it would be? I found it more satisfying than I thought it was going to be, yes. Is that watching your mother and father work and then... No, because I apprenticed under a, under a, a different master. Mm. I didn't apprentice under my, under my father. Eric Burdett, who was awarded the MB by the Queen for his dedication to bookbinding. Oh. Uh, so I served under a very famous person in the bookbinding world, not famous to the majority well, of people. But you, so you apprenticed in London? No, in Southampton, in southern England. When did you come here? Uh, I came here in 85. 1985, not 1785. Well, that would have been more than 51 years, wouldn't (laughs) it? What is the hardest part to bookbinding? I guess the designing of it uh, and also the gold uh, tooling. Is it tough to work with? It's tough to work with, but also to be able to uh, get it to to adhere to the leather uh, because it's only one two hundred and fifty thousandths of an inch thick. You have to control your breathing when you're working with it. You can't have any draft whatsoever in the room. If somebody were to open the door when you were working on that book, the gold would just flutter up in the air and uh, you know you have to try and retrieve it without touching it with your fingers because it will stick to your fingers and then it's ruined. That would now, certainly make you hate the person who opened the door. Um, yes, or walk past you, uh, you know, uh, just the movement of the air of somebody walking behind you would be enough to, you know, disturb the Seemed air. So it's fluttering. Just, that's right. What are the steps in the process? Well, as a minimum, there are 28 different stages to the book's production. Uh, the very first steps is uh, to um, fold paper into uh, multiples of four pages, you know, folded, uh, and multiple sections gathered and collated, and then pressed and then sewn. Uh, of course, we not only use sewing, but we also glue the book as well with an animal hide glue. So when you've got a combination of both sewing and gluing, then uh, the book should last you a long time, two to three hundred years. Well, that's that's a fairly long time. Yes, and the paper will last even longer than that because the paper is 100% rag fiber. Mm-hmm. Rag fiber paper will last indefinitely. There's no acidity in it, so therefore it doesn't go yellow or brown because or crumble. I have been uh, for years and years and years told that uh, eventually most of the books in my library will turn brown because the paper is not meant to last but X number of years. That's right. If it's 150 years or, or less than 150 years old or thereabouts, uh, then you've got wood pulp paper, and that's when books will start to deteriorate. Anything that's older than 150 years is more than likely going to be rag fiber paper, and therefore they will last indefinitely. You can have it rebound every 300 years. 
You gave me the first step. What's the last step? Well, the last step is to do the decoration on the book, really. You know, if you're going to do it in blind tooling, uh, which is the decoration done just by impressing in the leather mm -hmm. uh, with a heated tool and moistened leather, that gives you a slightly darker impression where the tool is touched. Mm -hmm. That's what we call blind tooling. But, of course, you can do the same thing in gold. But that's the most skilled part of the book uh, of the bookbinding trade, really. You see... We don't regard books as being treasures anymore. Mm. Uh, we can buy them for next to nothing now. But back in the 18th century and centuries before that, they were real treasures. I mean, it was, a, it was really something to have a book in those days. Most families are probably, um, probably only own a Bible. Ordinary family, probably the only book they own. It depends on their interest, of course, but uh, you know, if you're willing to do without a, a number of things, then you might be able to have a few more. But in general, the family Bible was handed down through the generations because of its sheer cost in the first place. Yeah. What, what would a family Bible cost? It could cost them an absolute fortune. It could cost you know, six, six pounds. Mm. But it could, could also buy it for five shillings you know, in sheet form and then have your favorite bookbinder bind it into something that was unique just to them. Oh, 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 okay, yeah. But six uh, pounds for, you know, for the ordinary person when unskilled white male only earns about 12 to 15 pounds a year, so you've got a, close on a half a year's earnings invested yeah. in that, just that one book. But the majority of books that we produced here in Colonial Williamsburg, 90% or close to 90% were actually blank and they were ledgers and account books for the business people, the plantation owners, merchants, doctors, lawyers, seat of the government. How much did, did any, has anyone ever figured out how much Jefferson had invested in books? I mean, he started the Library of Congress because he had so many books. That's true. Now, to give you some idea, there, there are some records, a colleague was telling me, uh, there, there are some records still in Richmond, an insurance company that insured Monticello, his home, the mansion, for $5,000. He insured his library separately for $75,000, 15 wow. times more than what his mansion was insured for. Could you imagine having no. that much invested in books. No. Of course, he didn't get 75000 for them. He only got 25000 for them because he was not only a book collector, but he read virtually every book he owned. And he was so enthusiastic, well, literally about everything that he did, uh, he wrote his comments in the margin as soon as he finished reading a page. And then he turned over to the next page, read that, and write his comments in that margin. So he defaced virtually every book he owned. You brought a book with you that I, I, I've been looking. I didn't pick it up. I, it's got a, a, a three-dimensional face on the front cover. How do you do that? Uh, well, I had to use a totally different technique to normal bookbinding to, to be able to do that because you can see the face actually stretches through the leather. It looks mm -hmm. like somebody's actually been bound into the book. Mm -hmm. um, it's been done in sheepskin, uh, and sheepskin is a very flexible uh, skin. You know, it has a lot of stretching qualities, so therefore I was able to stretch it over uh, a face. And as you can see by the title, it says, uh, let's face it. What's the book that you've worked on anywhere that you were proudest of when you finished with it? I guess when I get commissioned to do books for royal families, you know, the Queen of England, the Queen Mother, and... Uh, and I also did the royal guest book for Prince Charles and Princess Diana's wedding in 1981. Mm -hmm. um, so that's 
kind of like the cream on the cake. But there was one book in particular that's actually on permanent exhibition in Vancouver. It uh, was called uh, Flowers in Heraldry. And I did a, a binding in a sage-colored leather uh, with a gauntlet, uh, a male gauntlet mm-hmm. holding flowers, flowers in heraldry across the front board. And that was done in silver kid with the knuckles of the gauntlet done in inlaid in uh, Gold, uh, gold kid. It really, it really was. When you, when you, when you looked at the book, it really, it really hit you. And, um, and I think that's why it got to be on permanent exhibition in Vancouver. But that was a book collector that commissioned me to actually do that book. Now, after I finished the book, I kept it for two months and didn't tell the owner of the book that I finished it because I had trouble in letting it go. Oh, well, there, there's a difficulty if you're trying to make a living. <laughs> that's right. Eventually, you have to sell it yes, or get your commission. That's correct. You said things for the, for the royal family. Is that, is that as pleasant as I imagine it would be? It, it is. I, I mean, obviously, as I, as I said, it's really the cream on the cake when you get commissioned to do something really, really special. Uh, but it can take it can take a long time. Now the Queen said when I did the royal guest book for Prince Charles and Princess Diane at their wedding in 1981 uh, that um, we're going to give you a free hand to do whatever you know. We'll accept whatever you do, but please don't make it too ostentatious. <laughs> <laughs> How could you not make it us? Exactly. Yes. I mean, that's that's limiting you to. Yeah. I mean, but uh, well, it, it's. In other words, anyway, she didn't want gold. She didn't want gold on it. So, I made silver frames, sterling silver, and silver clasps inlaid in it with uh, with Moroccan goat skin, as well. Uh, so it was, uh, and then the boards on the inside. The boards were solid wood, uh, English oak quarter sawn, so it had nice flowering on the inside, and that was French polished on the inside, with suede fly leaves facing the French polishing, and then leather on the outside with the silver frames and clasps. Well, that's what I was trained to do, really, as a, as a bookbinder, as an apprentice with Eric Burdett, because he was, as I said, he was a well-known bookbinder, and I'm very proud to say that I was one of his apprentices. Let us know what you think about the show. Leave your feedback at www.history.org slash podcast. That's Colonial Williamsburg, past and present this time. Check history.org often. We'll post more for you to download and hear. (laughs) 